As an industry, we've been witness to incredible achievements made by some of the most acclaimed names in the industry. But as established names rise to the top, new, inexperienced voices step up to make their voices heard. Welcome to Dev Diary Next Gen, the Dev Diary spin-off series that highlights the next generation of talent coming through in the games industry. My name is Paul James, and today I'm joined by Andy Corrales, and here's his journey so far. This episode of Dev Diary Next Gen has been available for a little while now on the Dev Diary Podcast Patreon feed. So please check out the show notes, get all the details there, consider throwing a few bucks for the price of a coffee, one for the entire month. You will get access to Dev Diary Next Gen the moment it goes live, as well as early access to the normal episodes of the show as well, whenever possible. So go check out the Patreon, consider pledging a little bit of support, you'll help grow the show even further. I really appreciate it and enjoy the show. So for this latest episode of Dev Diary Next Gen, I'm joined by Andy. How are you, mate? I'm good, thanks. It's fantastic to have you aboard. Uh, we've we've been having a good chat pre-show and realised that we probably get in should get into things because we're <laughs> we're really spoiling all the magic. We're having so, so much fun. It, it was it was a good time, and uh, we hadn't even gotten started. So let's let's keep this party rolling. Um, <laughs> thanks so much for coming on board. It's it's awesome to have you here, and uh, really really looking forward to to picking through your journey so far and and kind of diving into the smart program stuff that you're up to as well again for that it's it's incredibly early days as of when we record but it's it's gonna be pretty sweet so thanks for coming aboard yeah no worries thanks for having me uh yeah it's it's a very exciting time for me i'm i'm keen <laughs> yeah it's i mean the, the whole smart program really really cool stuff but uh before we dive into that and and some of the the more modern activities that you're up to uh where where does where's the love of games begin do you recall what some of the the first games were that you'd that you'd ever played or perhaps even by chance the first game that you'd ever played i can't say i remember the very first game that i ever played but i do few people do yeah i do have some early core memories uh i think i always showed an interest in games but also like just like weird toys and stuff i had a lot of those like really crappy you know those like old LCD systems where it was oh, yeah. a bunch of like cutouts of yep. sprites that were just yeah I had a bunch of those from like your two dollar shops and stuff and eventually I think it would have been when I was like three and a half four years old my grandparents bought me a Famiclone uh, they like had no idea uh, it's like a poly station I later yep. found out which is so it's like apparently a very widespread Famiclone but it's it's so good because it's it's got the shell of a PS1, but it's got like the disc sort of flip lid that a yeah. PS1 has. But instead of a disc tray, there's a cartridge slot. And when you're running the system, you just stick a cartridge in with the lid popped open and it looks so funny. Uh, it's amazing. Jeez, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'll have to do a bit of digging and see if I can find a specific <laughs> one afterwards because that's a, that's a look that I, I guess I can visualize, but I also yeah, can't yeah. at the same time. Just, poly station it'll turn right up um but yeah that was like probably one of my first gaming systems it had a multi-cart with i'm like... glad you did the quotations thing for that because yeah it's, <laughs> yeah it's yeah, yeah sorry <laughs> our listeners will know that i have done quotation marks <laughs> um but uh yeah so that had like duck hunt a track and field game that was a bunch of like uh olympics mini games it yep. had like original mario i think maybe tetris but i think that was it it said like nine million games on it but i only had like five um <laughs> sounds about right uh but yeah since then i think like i kind of played through almost like the history of gaming through like the early 80s up until where i was at then because my dad happened to have like a, a very legal cd from work filled with uh i don't know if you've heard of mame yep yep but- yep well, yeah, yeah, so it's a it's an arcade emulator, uh, and it had like two thousand games on it. So I played like the Simpsons and actually two thousand this time. Yeah, this one yeah. for real. Though there are a ton of clones as oh, it sure. was in that era. Um, yeah, so I played like the Simpsons arcade game, even like the the classic Team NT beat 'em up. I played your Tetrises. I played a couple games that I later realized were ported to NES, uh, like Pop and Twinby and City Connection and stuff like that. Um, and that was all like before I even had like my first system I got like a PS2 and I was like 7 or 8 a GBA around the same time and then everything's pretty pretty typical from there um, 
I feel lucky that the GBA had a bunch of ports of like SNES games. I got to play Mario yeah, World. Yeah, of course. Um, and so, yeah, that was really awesome. Got into like Pokemon, played a, a lot of licensed games on my PS2. Shout outs to Disney Pixar's Cars. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and of course, like Shrek. Cause, uh, uh, I feel, yeah, <laughs> I have a buddy who played like Shrek 2. Uh, and Shrek 2 is like apparently the first game to ever do deferred lighting. It's so funny. It's like this technological oh, breakout geez, I game. I don't think I realized that. But it's just it's just a random license game too. I'm not sure if it was the PC or the console version. Well, there was wasn't much else that. going on, so I guess they could throw us some additional <laughs> resources at that. No offense, guys. <laughs> hey, that game's great, apparently. I haven't played it. Anyway. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think then from then on, my gaming journey's like, fairly typical i didn't have a pc until i was like 13 so i didn't play a lot of pc games i kind of missed a lot of like your uh your half-lifes and your tf2s uh, a lot of like classic valve stuff and just big pc games of of the era uh i'm 27 by the way just to contextualize i was born in 96 um so yeah this would have been like the like late 2010s or sorry late noughties i don't know whatever we want to call it yeah (laughs) (laughs) it still doesn't sound right when people call it noughties but i I guess i guess it works sounds a bit sounds a bit great but um yeah uh that would have been around then and then high school uh you know ps3 got into uh pc gaming headed to uni decided i was going to study games i mean in terms of when did I like figure out I was interested in games or like experimenting with games as a creative You have been listening medium? to the show. You know exactly where I'm going with all this. Yeah. Oh, okay. I haven't actually. <laughs> oh, uh, okay. Well, then you're just a brilliant host. You, you can take over and host I'm, the show I'm going just, forward. I'm just, yeah, I'm the Segway <laughs> king, you know? Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so pretty much my teens up until I got into uni, I hadn't really actually experimented with much creative stuff like in general it was always something i was interested in but again i got a pc late um i was never really that tech savvy and programming kind of scared the crap out of me um even though i liked the idea of it i did a lot of it in high school but like the idea in theory yeah um, not in practice i mean i think the most fun i had programming in my teens would have been like lego mindstorms uh which pretty sick would recommend um <laughs> i think it's still around these days i'm not sure oh, yeah i don't know about that but but uh, for that one. yeah so i hadn't actually made any like digital games and i didn't make any digital games really until uh i was making them as part of my first degree at swinburne um where i was studying a double degree bachelor of arts and computer science with a major in games yep uh and that degree it didn't super work for me. It didn't really reflect like what I wanted to get and where I was going with the industry. A lot of it was like more focused on big teamwork stuff and specializing, whereas I kind of always wanted to learn how to you know, make a game from start yep. to finish uh, myself and with other people who could kind of do the same. Um, I definitely took a lot of inspiration from you know, your early big indies like... Uh, like the Cave Braids Story. and those sort of guys they broke through? Uh, Cave Story was a big one for me, which is even earlier. Um, Cave Story originally came out like 2004, which is cooked. Um, is that early? <laughs> yeah, the freeware version. I mean, I'm not sure oh, when yeah, the English course, yeah, patch... Course. I'm not sure when the English patch would have rolled around. It might have been a bit later. Um, but uh, yeah, like Cave Story was a big one. Uh, I do remember playing like Bastion when it came out and think it was sick um but uh yeah just like a lot of weird small minimalist games were really starting to inspire me around this era when i was making stuff i spent a lot of time on itch um i was really inspired by an old collective that used to be here in melbourne i think they're since fairly inactive called all day breakfast which was run by yeah run by i think it was formed maybe at least it was run by Lee Shang Lun when I was around and hanging out. They ran a bunch of events there. Um, Shang Lun definitely being like a, a big local inspiration back in like 
2015, 16. Uh, same with like Chad. They were both like running Hover Garden and like free plan stuff. And that was kind of my introduction to the local scene. Yep. Uh, Chad Toprak, uh, for people who are unfamiliar, Chad's very cool. Um, we got a lot of cool people in this local industry. Yeah. So I, I guess that's kind of the transition. Like I started making games as part of a degree. Uh, I met people like uh, Shang Wun, who like lectured or did like a guest talk at Swinney. Yeah. Uh, and then I started heading to all day breakfast events, went to free play. Uh, eventually I left my Swinburne degree and then moved to RMIT um, where I finished studying in like early 2021. Uh, all the while just like hanging out with the local scene, went to a lot of Bar SK events when SK used to be around. Um, I have a lot of friends who presented there. Ended up presenting um, some of my games I made at RMIT there once or twice, which was pretty cool. Um, things have kind of obviously been quiet on the local front because of like COVID, but yeah. I think kind of things are things yeah, are well, on the way. There's of an upswing again. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's been really cool. Um, Would you and, say when it came yeah. to so obviously you said you know you're you're in the course and kind of found your way to games there? Did you? You'd obviously dabbled a little bit beforehand. Did you feel like that was always a natural pathway for you, though, or did it take a little while before you found, you know, kind of found that, okay, this was a, a viable option for you potentially as a career path? I I didn't come from parents with like a background in arts, um, yeah. or even like really like really what higher education meant. My parents both went to like TAFEs, uh, yeah. and that was just pretty chill back then. Um, their higher education and stuff was free which is i'm jealous how novel uh, how, how, <laughs> yeah but yeah so you know their pathway is very clear and straightforward and so looking at um a more arts centric sort of career path was pretty different and not really something i had considered um looking back now it's really obvious to me that like i had like this both artistic and like creative bent especially towards games. I think throughout pretty much all of my childhood, I would like analyze and think through like games I liked, but also games I didn't like. Games where I was like, I kind of hate this, but like, why? Why does it That's suck? That's that critical thinking. How could I make it better? Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember like playing the shit out of the first couple levels of Sonic Heroes and being like, this game kind of sucks, but it's kind of good. <laughs> no, but <laughs> I mean, that, like, that's even sort of... better. That sort of thinking, and whether, regardless, I guess these days of what side of the fence you sit on, whether you're on the the game development side or whether you're critiquing them in some way, and I'd like yeah. to think it would happen on the consumer base on the consumer side as well. But of course, that usually just devolves to console wars and stuff. Um, no offense, <laughs> sorry, any listeners who are console fanboys, but you can't grow up. spell IGN um, without. <laughs> Jeez, I haven't heard or thought about that, that one in a while. But um, I, like, what, I think what were all the like the rude things you would say like wasn't it yeah there was like the gay station and like oh. the something what would people call the xbox oh that was like real game faqs console war era stuff that was yeah real real petty <laughs> stupid shit but um that's like 10 years ago i think about that stuff and i'm like wow that was so long ago <laughs> and i'm just curious to see where things go with the whole activision thing and the core cases and like what does what does that bring oh, out because there's certainly a a nastier yeah. edge starting to come back out again lately which has been interesting but but yeah um i guess like regardless of whether you're kind of on the development side or the um or kind of the critiquing side of the fence regardless of the way in which you do so that that ability to pass through a game and okay maybe you can identify that this is a this is a turd <laughs> why is it a turd what 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 is being done well like i had the unfortunate honor displeasure whatever i don't know what we call it. i had to review uh, lord of the rings golem earlier this year and nice. um i wanted to drive screwdrivers through my eyes <laughs> as i played it but like i was able to sit there and go okay what like they've tried to do this why did it fall apart mm. where like what are the key yeah. pillars along the way here? like this this aspect that you want to engage in of stealth is fine and totally makes sense for golem that thing that kind of looked like golem anyway um but <laughs> I totally like, why is it falling over? And you've got to be able, was, yeah, you've got to be yeah. able to do that, regardless of what side of the fence you're on. And I think, yeah, it's super important skill that I think a lot of game developers have, but 
you know, maybe I wish I could see more of on the other side of the fence too. Mm. Rather yeah, than just I mean, saying this is shit and moving on. I would share a lot of my thoughts on games with like my mum and dad, and my parents would be like, "You should be a game critic," because uh, I guess that's just like what their instinct was of like someone who's thinking really hard about any any medium. Uh, personally, I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever get into games journalism. Uh, I think the ecosystem just sounds like it might break my brain. <laughs> and uh, there's no is doing a thumbs down sort of gesture Sa- sadly it's uh on the de- opportunities are sadly on the decline too so yeah um I, it's building your I'm, own platforms and those sorts of things these days that's the way to go mm, yeah i'm perfectly happy just kind of like writing my little reflections on my own work and yeah. other games that i find interesting but that's really just a way to sort of spark discussion and see what other devs might might think yeah, for sure. um but yeah like my parents there wasn't really that push to be like oh you could like make art a career um and so yeah making games wasn't really something i thought about um until like late in vce i guess when i started watching stuff like uh extra credits oh, yeah. uh and things like that yeah like there was a, a bit of a rise in um i guess i would have started watching extra credits in like year 10 so that would have been like 2009 2011 which would have been like the indie game boom which i was like graduating through and stuff um yeah and i think just all of that talk the internet presence the like gaming journalism presence of indie games that was what really made me go shit i've been thinking about games all this time and i could learn to like make stuff um yeah and so it's not as out of reach as, as you might think it is yeah um it definitely did take me a long time because I was not as like tech savvy as someone who studied a bachelor's of computer science may may sound. Uh, I did do really poorly in that part of my degree, <laughs> and when I studied at RMIT, I studied what was a design degree. Yeah. Um, so I did do plenty of code because I I I'm pretty comfortable with it now. But back then, it was it was very intimidating. Um, That's fair. I mean, people have got like yeah. you know within the industry itself, like you know the the big even the big triple a spots like people have their lane people have their areas of expertise and they keep to their lane so it's it's and i have more... the whole highway yeah when, when you're having to try and dabble in the, exactly in the whole highway it can be it can be challenging to find where you fit within that busy road look at that I'm like I, really I making some road. great metaphors here i'm blocking it for everyone <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah it could be that um yeah as long no, as you have a car crash that's blocking it up <laughs> Yeah, I definitely consider when I introduce myself in more like formal contexts, uh, I generally lead by saying that I'm a multidisciplinary uh, game maker and artist um, because I do code these days. I do 2D and 3D art. Um, I've been like almost a lifelong musician at this point. Um, and I've also played with like audio and sound design stuff. Uh, I love level design. Um, and so like all of this stuff feeds into letting me make stuff on my own and also yeah. like supplementing teams i've done like some freelance stuff i've made a lot of solo projects um some of which are unreleased some of which are just very small and there's, um, there's quite a few available on each uh, io for people if they want to go true. check out you so. can check out andrew corrales that or yeah, I don't remember the full Sorry, I'll make sure the link is in the show notes. Oh, Thankf- yeah. Thankfully, the wonderful Felicia who helped facilitate all of these interviews <laughs> has provided me that link already. So Nice. She's I'm an so, absolute star. My SEO is incredible. So <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll make sure that that is there for people to go check out, of course. Awesome. But um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's especially like the, the multidisciplinary thing is, is obviously a really handy thing to have in your pocket. Do you feel like there is one obvious strength for you though that like if if you did have to get put in a box or you did have to find your lane what could i or you know, simply what can i contribute the most to this team you know if you mm. find yourself in that sort of circumstance do you feel like there's uh, there's a way that you personally kind of lean probably like if i had to rock up to a team and i could only be there for like a couple weeks or something and then i had to leave and that would be it yeah, and what is the thing you're going to impress the most with? What what I would do is I would probably functionally be like a, a design consultant, I assume. I would like try and look at their big picture stuff and see how all of the parts of their game, 
the narrative, the mechanics, the level design all tie together and then probably really nail down on like what the gameplay is, what the what the core drawer of the game is, and then sort of try and see if all of that is gonna come together uh, and try and set the foundation for that if possible. Like when you're an indie dev and you're making your own projects, you're doing this all the time. You're thinking about how like all of your little choices, your technical ones and your more creative ones are slotting together and how you're like forming a, a bigger, a, you know, a more holistic whole of your game. Yeah, it's assembling so, the piece of the puzzle. Yeah, so I guess it would be like some kind of uh, what did I the, the word that I use? No, um, it's 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 a directorial, it's a direction, you know, top level sort of. You, I think you said uh, design consultant. I think consultant. Used before. Yeah, I would be consulted because because I'm the ideas guy now. But I mean, if I had to, <laughs> I joking about ideas guy. By the way, it's a it's a bit of a funny taboo among among everyone i know at least uh ideas guys are are kind of useless but i mean yeah. if i was getting stuck in uh it would probably be code and level design yeah um yeah because that's just yeah uh, that's the stuff that usually usually it's like gameplay programming primarily and like interactions um but yeah and then that relates pretty closely to level design so those are pretty tied together yeah uh, so that's the long and short answer <laughs> no, that's that, that's fantastic. And, um, like I'll, I'll jump to the uh, the the game week workshops and stuff shortly because that, oh, yeah. that was kind of one of the notes that I wanted to address. But at the same time, um, this is also a good opportunity to kind of segue over to the the smart program that you're in at the moment. You obviously got the mm. opportunity to to partner up with uh, plenty of, of Victorian specifically talent um, yeah. in the game development scene. And I guess given what we've just discussed with the the skill sets that you've got and, you know, uh, potential areas that you could maybe hone in on more, is there anything that you're especially looking to to gain or achieve from this time where, you you know, you get to be in the weeds with teams at various different stages of development? I mean, humming along in the exact same building that you are as we speak. Well, sorry, not as we speak. We're recording in the building. But, like, (laughs) as of this smart program period, you've got Summerfall there that are moments away, really, from launching... um, Stray Gods at this particular point. You're yeah, also Samurai Punk, and there's so many talented developers in the area, um, and all at various different stages of development on you know multiple different projects. So there's there's lots of different things that you can see and experience. Is there anything in particular that you're looking to gain the most from this time? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like having the structure of just like this regular space to work, having the really inspiring like presence of all of these people working on things that are adjacent to what I'm doing is is very motivating in and of itself um but I guess yeah I I'm really hoping to I'm already like making a lot of stuff uh and I already have a lot of things either like ready to release or very much like in the sort of here's a demo try it out give me your thoughts kind of stage um, so what I'm really hoping to get, I think, ideally would be like getting other devs like impressions of some of those like work in progress works, but also getting help with getting the word out of all the cool stuff that I'm doing. Because I think I'm doing a lot of cool stuff, but I'm not necessarily broadcasting it as well as I could be. And well, I, you've I just would... chosen the biggest platform in the... <laughs> <laughs> um... But no, I mean you're right. Like that, that can also be one of the hardest things for for any yeah. developer sometimes, big or small, um, or first time or whatever. Is actually like, how do I get this in front of people? And we mm-hmm. see it happen on Steam all the time. Where, I mean, obviously there's so many brilliant ideas that rise to the top, but there's so many others that are just as good, potentially even better. That because they've just not been able to get the eyes on them, they've just gone yeah. nowhere. And it's such a shame that that happens. So, trying to find those opportunities. Um, you know whether whether it's uh, you know popping on shows like this or or going and working in, uh, in the smart program, being like instantly getting to network with a bunch of people and potentially yeah. put your ideas in front of others, it's huge. It's yeah, it's really cool. I'm I'm really looking forward to yeah, just like having builds around that people can try getting feedback from them, uh, and yeah, just also like the more the more embedded I am in whatever like melbourne games is doing the more likely i am to find opportunities where i can for sure bring in my work show it off like acme's doing their work in progress nights which i think 
I'd love to have something on one of those sometime soon. Uh, there's a, a local gallery that um, I've hosted or I've yeah run events out of called Sabbatical uh, in in Fitzroy, uh, and like they do all kinds of uh, nights and stuff. And even just going to these with other devs who are working on similar stuff and similar contexts. It, it certainly, at the very least, keeps me in the loop with things like sure. um, like stuff like grant programs that I know a lot of people I know have been going for lately. There's been a, a bunch of openings for things like that. Um, so really, yeah, just, you know, keeping my keeping my ear to the ground and, and uh, looking out for advice and ways to keep getting the word out on my own stuff and, yeah, just kind of being aware of what's going on. Um, but also, yeah, I've definitely been keeping my ears open in the office, being like, hmm, could I, could I help with that? Is that something that I could fit into when people are, like, working on something or, or, like, struggling with a problem? Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's cool. It's, it's a really, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I've, I think I've explained <laughs> No, I mean the yeah stuff like the like the smart program is huge in that sense. That, that I mean you can just waltz over, you know, peek over someone's shoulder, see what they're doing, mm. ask questions without weirding them out, I guess, too, <laughs> and getting in the way too much. But um, you you've got the opportunity to ask these questions that then might help guide you in some of the things that you're doing, and it becomes this cyclical thing that yeah, it's it's huge. And yeah, there's opportunities that you'll be able to assist. There's opportunities that what that they might be able to assist you it's it's awesome and so i wish you nothing but the best in that space now i guess cycling back to the other point i was going to discuss which is the uh the experimental games and the 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 annual game a week workshop that you have for local game developers that's a really cool initiative um yeah so and we were touching on a little bit pre-show and and you wisely realized that we should probably cut (laughs) short there and save it for the show so tell me more about it and and the listeners of course yes so um yeah, as I was saying, you know, like I, I make a lot of small projects, a lot of small works. Uh, I've made a lot of games from start to finish just on my own. Uh, and from various experiences and stuff, I'm kind of just a very big proponent of like little experimental games of rapid prototyping and stuff like that. Um, I did uh, Game A Week as part of my time uh, at RMIT when I was studying uh and that was in 2019 uh and i made like i think 11 games in 12 weeks yep uh and that's uh a lot (laughs) yeah it's a lot uh but it was like probably the most sense of like personal and creative growth i've ever had in in any like given period of time yeah um and that that program was uh run by doug wilson uh and there's actually a really great talk uh on the GDC channel by Doug and Bennett Foddy about making games Game of Week. So if you want to find out more about their program, uh, strongly GDC recommend. YouTube. Yeah, we we uh, based a lot of our stuff off of that and also just the experience of doing Doug's class. Um, but yeah, so very directly inspired by my experiences with that. Uh, in 2022... 20, <laughs> last year? Uh, Sorry, I yeah. know the last kind of four years have kind of felt like 10 thanks to all the COVID stuff so this is yeah, 2020 I was struggling to remember now so yeah so it was at the start of 2022 I ran a remote game a week uh this was the first time me running it and that was run through uh the fire pit uh discord community um and that was really cool we had a bunch of international uh developers actually come on because we ran it like online we posted it on itch um but a few people like Stuffed Wombat show up. Uh, we had uh, try and name other people that people might know. It's fine. They're all cool. I should name them. Regardless, there's like, <laughs> cool, cool people are cool people, whether you know them or not to begin with. But yeah, and so that was remote. And then this year was our first one that wasn't remote. Uh, I co-ran it with my good buddy uh, Billy Dent, uh, who's. Uh, at Void Void on Twitter, uh, V O Y D times two, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so Billy and me, coming off of like the pandemic and stuff, we were itching to give a bunch of, especially recent grads from RMIT, the chance to do Game Week because it hadn't it hadn't run, 
in its original form. Uh, yeah. It was like fortnightly, uh, or even more so, and it was just a very hard thing to do um, because so much of Game Week as a program, it uh, the morale of like meeting in person and having that solidarity of playing everyone else's games each week, um, it's really inspiring. Um, so we wanted to run it in person, and we did. Uh, we ran it out of uh, RMIT graciously gave us access to one of their labs. Uh, so once a week for six weeks from January 15 until I think late Feb, um, we had like a week break in the middle. Um, yeah, we uh, we ran essentially, yeah, six Game of Week workshops uh, structured very similarly to uh, Doug Wilson's curriculum. We would, yep. we would come in we would uh, play everyone else's games from the last week. Uh, and uh, we didn't have any kind of online submission. We just wanted people to bring them in. So like no pressure to release, just like get people, get people, get it in front of people. Cause that, that's honestly really it's fun. It's half the battle, you, right? Yeah. Once you, once you get over like the, the fear of showing people your work, the like, there, there's so much community and joy in just like, trying other people's weird broken games from the same week and and seeing how people ran with the themes uh of that week so after we would play everyone's games uh we would then reveal the theme for the next week which uh there would be like a bit of theater we would like of course you had to stuff it. yeah it, apparently uh and this is what i found as well uh according to like doug um having like a bit of drama getting people a bit keen for the theme reveal really helps people like not phone it in uh which is i don't know it makes sense it's, it's a psychology it's, thing there yeah why not embrace yeah. it yeah yeah so we would have like a teaser video and stuff like that uh and we would have some funny themed things like that um but yeah so we would basically would have a theme and each week uh we would give people a lot of resources a lot of examples based on the theme um the first week which we've pretty much done every single time because it's maybe one of the best themes to to sort of get people get rolling in the zone uh theme was 10 seconds or less uh and so that really pushes you to make something very very small um very very restrained um and it's just a great theme for like making sure people scope really small because something that i stress is that you know game week is it's not a series of game jams. You shouldn't be producing work that's like a Ludum Dare winner every yeah. week. You should really be focusing on testing out an interesting idea, on creative growth, on stuff like that. Uh, and it's much better if you have a bunch of bizarre prototypes coming out of it than like six perfect games. Because if you did that, like, did you did you really challenge yourself? Like, exactly. It's more about, exactly. It's more about the creative challenge than the, the technical one. There's a um, creative component and a very impulsive component that comes with what, you know, the <laughs> things you can do with a short timeline and, yeah, a nice ten, like a very ten, a brief 10-second experience. Yeah, and it's awesome as well. Like that second week we come in and you see all sorts of interpretations on 10 seconds or less. Uh, some that are like doing wordplay with the theme. I think there was like someone wanted to make a game with 10-second place instances of something. Because seconds, yeah, yeah ten it's, seconds, it's so pretty good. silly. Um, but that's yeah. the point, right? It embraces and like you're embracing the idea and t you know taking liberties and having a bit of fun with the co concept. It's yeah, and really just thinking about like durations in these tight time frames. It's every theme tends to be a really interesting like lens that you can apply to design um, later, and I find it really useful to revisit them from time to time. Yeah, but. Yeah, after those six weeks, uh, and again, it was a free program. Um, we weren't being like paid, and thankfully, having re like having written the curriculum ahead of time, well, the, curriculum, the, the content, I suppose, the themes, all of that, um, it's fairly low commitment to run. Um, but I was also participating while running, like a yep. like a madman. Uh, Billy was not doing that very reasonably, so. Uh, <laughs> Someone's gonna be the rational one there. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I. 
I'm not going to say I wouldn't recommend it or that I would, because I think it's very doable, but it's hard if you've got other commitments. I didn't really have other commitments. Um, and I think unless you're a very experienced dev uh, who can like crack something out in like an afternoon, then it's, pro- it's probably not a good idea unless you've got a fair bit of time to do both. Um, oh, time, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, and so we had about, I don't know, 15 or so regulars who were just, you know, coming in their own, on their own volition. We had like a, a lot of really like good friendships form. I think every time I've done Game of Week, people come away with it with like really awesome like connections with people just because... Awesome the solidarity of like again you're all a bunch of creatives you're all like kind of panicking and slapping stuff together and being vulnerable showing like unfinished projects yeah um it, re- it really forms like really strong bonds um and like even i've made like probably lifelong friends from just running this and i'm excited to run it again next year um but yeah so i guess to finish off with that uh we, I mentioned earlier, local gallery and uh, co-working space sabbatical. Um, we selected a game or two for uh, each participant. They picked their, their favorites. Um, and we set them all up and ran a night uh, presenting all of our games open to the public. And we probably had like upwards of 50 attendees. It was packed. That's pretty it's cool. a very small building. Uh, it was not yeah, it's a small building you suddenly just stick 50 people consuming, let alone the people presenting on top. It starts to, yeah. Yeah, sardines. so we, we just probably had probably had like 10 or so setups, maybe more, um, each made by different people. We had one really cool setup, actually. Uh, Brandon, Brandon Hare, uh, he made this... Uh, it's a Unity executable that uh, lets you swap between multiple Unity games. It's like a, a wrapper where you can give it a couple of unity X's and it just like gives you a greater menu that lets you like jump in on them and then leave. So we had a setup that was very efficient. Um, That's cool. For, for one or two of our TVs, shouts to Brandon made some really fun games. Um, yeah. All, all really great stuff. I mean, I think there's probably some stuff still floating around on like Sabby's Twitter with some like pictures and stuff from the event. Um, I think they're at Sabby gallery on twitter you'll find them the savvy it fits right you, you got it. <laughs> it, it yeah people find it it'll be these it's fine um yeah and the hope is that uh my co-host billy and i are going to run it again next year uh it's probably going to be the same same length and same same deal we'll probably do six weeks um and yeah i think we we learned some lessons, but nothing really like particularly. I don't think anything about it's really going to change. And I suspect, given the attention we got from the showcase at Sabi, we're probably going to have a lot more people interested, Good. which which will be cool. But also creates yeah. uh, some venue. Yeah, venue because we're running it out of RMIT's labs, um, and we're still graciously being given access to. Well, I, I'm not sure, but it seems like they want us back. Uh, it seems like they were really happy that we were doing it Good. at all. Um, but yeah, I'll, we'll get confirmation on we'll that. We massage that relationship a little bit it, and it, yeah. see what's possible. Um, yeah, so that's probably going to happen again. Uh, and yeah, it'll probably be early next year. Um, just kind of a good time for us to be running it. And hopefully, yeah, hopefully that coalesces, but. Uh, yeah, we're hoping on making it happen. It's no, going to be fantastic. very exciting. <laughs> um, certainly, no, not about the skill set um, or any skill set for that matter. But anyway, um, no, I mean, oh, the, like the opportunities. You can like make that a game about are... podcasting. The problem resides with the making the game part. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, like these sort of opportunities for people are, are huge, and you know, I'm sure there's plenty of people that. I mean, we joke about me there, but like, you know, who may never have actually considered the possibility of making them and it's and it's an opportunity to get exposure to some of these tools and potentially you know makes yeah. developers out of these out of these moments so it's it's huge um and it's it's awesome that you're running it and yeah long may it continue so <laughs> i hope so yeah <laughs> we, I norm, yeah i normally focus on the smart program and then start to wind things down so we've, we've already kind of done that we've kind of gone in reverse order here so we're, we're smashing it today um so as we, <laughs> as we start to to wind things down um 
is there anyone and I you've mentioned a few people already from you know when it comes to that program itself to I guess even some broader game development so uh, stuff is there anyone that really inspires you in the way you try to go about your work whether that's covering any of those multitude of disciplines that we were already talking about uh, we've obviously yeah touched on kind of inspirations I think for uh, for the for the game week program itself but um, is there anyone that you look at you work at uh, work with or look at from afar that really inspires the way you go about your stuff hmm. it's, a, it's a good question I think there's there's honestly probably a pretty broad range of people from yep. from different disciplines um, as I mentioned uh, like in terms of community organizers Li Shang Lun and Chad Toprak were very inspiring to me uh, in like the 2015 share of like free yep. play and stuff um in terms of designers um i already talked a little bit about doug wilson he tutored me for a while uh he's a really big inspiration as like a a, a presenter someone who's essentially running workshops uh and communicating like you know games education i guess yes um same with uh oh shit What's his last name? Yes. Christian McRae, great RMIT yep. tutor. Shout outs to Christian. Um, and then, like, in terms of design, I think I take a lot of inspiration from Benefotti for sure. A lot of my games are, like, they're very, you know, awkward controls. They're very silly. Um, and I, I definitely focus on, like, novelty and inspiration from, like, toys and things like that. Um, I guess completely not even in Australia. Uh, Kita Sakahashi, the creator of Nobi um, Boy and yep. Katamari Damacy, um, those games are huge inspirations for me. Uh, I mentioned Cave Story. Oh yeah, of uh, course. So like, yeah, Pixel, um, very cool inspirational creator, um, and honestly, just a lot of my sort of current day peers, like all of my friends going for adjacent things, all of the international like devs. Um, I briefly mentioned Stuff Wombat. I think all the stuff that Stuff Wombat's doing is really cool, sort of transitioning from making really small browser games to more commercial releases that are still really tight in scope. Yep. Um, a Godot game developer, Mrs. Is, uh, used to post a lot on YouTube, very inspirational, small, tight games uh i don't know there's a there, yeah, yeah there's a, a laundry lot, list right yeah. everyone i follow on on twitter uh, check there's them out they're pretty cool <laughs> uh, yeah basically like those are my my current day inspirations and peers right um but yeah i mean games games is a is a beautiful medium and there's always stuff happening and i'm always drawing inspiration from all of the projects going on and yeah uh melbourne is an amazing city for it as well like the even just this smart program i'm sure as i get to know the people around me i'm gonna be like wow you're awesome like <laughs> yeah yeah i mean the the sucker punch folk in particular you know particular who i've spent a bit of time with over the years are just mm. incredible people incredibly talented but incredible people as well so, so there's sucker punch did you mean samurai so, punch? samurai punch i wish i could say i spent more time with the, the sucker punch <laughs> folks but uh one day maybe not in uh, Australia, but yeah. Not in Australia, yeah. Seattle's a little way away. Yeah. Um, yeah, whoops. My bad. Sorry, Samurai. It's all good. I, I, I think the point I still stands. The point Shout still stands. the infamous series. Pretty good. Yeah, the, the PlayStation, bring that one back. Um, they're, they're amazing. So you've definitely got some incredible people around you, and it's going to be an invaluable experience for sure. Uh, speaking of experiences, what have been some of the more valuable ones that you've had along the way? Have there been any really important lessons that you feel like you've learnt? Um, and that could apply to Game of Week, that could apply to development work, it could be anything. Yeah. Um... And I feel like you've actually, like, I guess as I kind of sit and listen, I feel like you've really hit on a few things. You know, scope has been one of the big things that you've kind of... Now, obviously, the 10-second the concept is certainly an important one when it comes to scope but i feel like you've hit that note across a few different things so far so purely just listening to you talk today i feel like that's one in particular it seems like it's resonated quite strongly with you it's definitely a constant like learning process and kind of like perpetual background radiation of of indie dev and really any kind of game dev i think like there, there's ambition uh and ideas and good ideas 
but they do need to be tempered by the fact that you are a human made of flesh uh, with limited time on the planet. Yes. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that's it's definitely been something uh, that's been around. Uh, I definitely remember, like, when I was uh, at Swinburne, I definitely did a few projects that were, like, multi, like, a whole class worth of people working on a huge project. And I've never since worked on something that big. And I learned a lot from, from just that, a lot of, like, do's and don'ts. Um, and just generally, like, being in the pipeline of like games uni uh throughout the years uh you get a lot of experience seeing like the the foibles of of teamwork and and scope i mean game students are like the the most classic example of like you know overscoping absolutely enthusiasm gets carried away yeah and it's a natural instinct and i think that's why something like game a week doing game a week was such a such a huge uh help for me such a huge point of growth because uh you get to you get to really get a lot of that stuff out you have a lot of ideas you're holding on to and you say hell i'm gonna try making it in a week and then you do and you realize like oh this was really achievable or oh this was insane uh there's no way i could have made this (laughs) given like a month or a year you learn a lot from it um that that was yeah so again the first time i did game a week that was definitely yeah a huge uh learning process um other like key moments core moments um that's what it can be like the culmination of lots of little things along the way that's yeah that's a pretty natural sort of pathway too (laughs) it's true um so some lighter ones as we wrap up some purely tongue-in-cheek fun ones now um if you could be credited for any game so to have had your hand all over whatever whatever that project was look you can be special thanks for all i care what game would you have just love to have had some sort of hand in working on? The like boring easy answer is like obviously like OG Mario, right? Oh but yeah, that's of pretty, course. That's that's boring, right? Like, I'm trying to think of like, ah, oh, do you remember? <laughs> do you remember Falling Bush? It was like no. a game where George Bush was a ragdoll and he would just like fall over these orbs, and that's all it was. It was just a toy. That I would be really do funny. Do not recall that at all. With. Yeah, that was like a. 2000s shareware game yeah, yeah right. maybe being credited for like a stupid political joke from like the 2000s what else, what else would be hilarious i mean being credited for like uh bennett foddy's getting over it would be hilarious because it's got his name on it and... <laughs> but then no, actually nothing to do with <laughs> but it. it's just... like no actually it was all me i just i just commissioned him to do the voice recording um yeah that would be good god i'm trying to think of like what's the absolute funniest thing Punch your name all over a Kojima game and strike Kojima from it. Ah, uh, yeah, that would be good. Yeah, I mean, I, I think. Oh God, I got to give you a concrete answer here. <laughs> yeah, we, we've let's had just, a bit of fun. But... Let, let's just say Nobby Nobby Boy. I okay, think fickle. Just because that would be awesome. I would love to have had any part of that. <laughs> no, that's a fantastic choice. Conversely, if you could go back and replay any game, so you could strike it from your memory Ooh. and get to experience it all over again, completely fresh. And we, I think we've all had that moment where we're like, oh, I wish I could do that again. And you just simply can't because you've got that re- residual memory. If you could strike that away and play any one game all over again, what game would you pick? Oh, man. That is a tricky one. The and first often, thing... Often for a lot of people, it ends up being some sort of narrative moment, something that hits you square between uh, between the eyes, maybe right in the mm. feels, and, and you'll never get to have that to the same degree ever again. Others, it could be this revelatory moment through a gameplay lens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gameplay is uh, king, after all. The first thing that comes to mind, I guess it does have a revelatory moment. No spoilers, but um, uh, Shadow of the Colossus would be a cool game to replay. Yeah, it does time. have its own revelatory moment for sure. Um, no, no, it doesn't. Don't worry about it. If you play it, there's nothing no, to say. No, Sorry, there's no twist. See. Don't worry. There's no twist. Okay. Um, not really. I mean, it 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 shows its hand. You 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 get you get the vibe when you play it. But um, yeah, that game. That game has definitely informed like uh, my design sensibilities a lot since I played it, and I played it for the first time only like uh, two years ago now. And was it the remake or the? It. it was the the HD version on PS3. So oh, yeah, the yeah, only yeah. the only real difference. In it. Yes. So the the only real difference was that it was widescreen and 60 FPS. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, 
me being a bit of a stickler and also kind of a disliker of the uh, the remake phenomenon, uh, I, I'm I'm much happier to play with like basically all the original assets and like quality of the game and just embrace like, have it for it, what it was. Have it, have it run a little nicer, but otherwise be identical. Because um, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to get into the weeds of this. We're finishing up. I'm not going to well, complain yeah, about but, the Metroid it's, it's, Prime it's, remakes here. <laughs> what, what was that? Sorry, I missed that. I'm not going to complain about the Metroid Prime remakes here. It's well, fine. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a large conversation, that one. Um, well, Andy, it's been fantastic having you on the show and, and sharing this journey so far. And uh, I wish you nothing but the best, of course, for the smart program. And you're in its earliest days at this particular point. You've got uh, four months of... Uh, some awesome experiences ahead of you so yes. wish you nothing but the best there and and i'm sure the audience does as well um you've obviously referenced quite a few other people when it comes to twitter and the like so far but on social media if anyone wants to see what you're up to learn more about what you're up to follow where should people go yeah so um i'm probably posting most of my updates on twitter uh at andrew corrales underscore so a-n-d-r-e-w-k-a-r-a-l-i-s underscore all one one word uh yeah i'm also probably going to be at some of the ig dams coming up i'm not sure when this is going to be like uploaded but there is soon one happening enough. literally tomorrow so. well it won't be that soon definitely <laughs> <won't be that> soon. <laughs> oh, i'm blowing the cover of the whole operation yeah, here. So, sorry uh, yeah. <laughs> uh no but yeah uh i'll definitely be around uh if you're in melbourne so hit me up well, fortunately, uh, yeah. there's opportunities like uh, Melbourne International Games Week and those sort of things that will roll along, and that exactly. brings lots of people from interstate in town as well, and and you'll be about. So there's there's opportunities there as well. So uh, you've obviously already shouted out the the Twitter handle. Please, people, go check uh, Andy out there and and um, see what he's up to. And who knows, you might be finding yourself uh, at a game a week showcase sometime in the future. And oh, hopefully, yeah. hopefully, it makes uh, some or creates some opportunities for people that perhaps weren't there prior. So. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing this journey so far. And and um, it's been awesome to have you aboard. Yeah, it's been great fun. Appreciate it. Not a problem at all. And listeners, as always, thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time. That concludes this entry of Dev Diary Next Gen. Be sure to subscribe to this feed, share it with your friends, and give us a five-star review to help boost the show up the charts for greater exposure. If you have any people you'd like me to reach out to an interview, then please find me at Paul James Games on Twitter to help me get in touch with them. Until the next episode, however, that's been Andy's story. Thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you next time.